This is Bob Gimlin, and listen to Alasquatch. Welcome to Alasquatch, the show all about Bigfoot in the great state of Alaska. I'm your host, Beans Baxter. So lace up your boots, zip up your coat, and come with me on an adventure as we explore all things cryptid in the last frontier. Hey everybody, welcome to Alaska Watch. We're on the home stretch here in October on our way to Halloween. Got a couple of uh, cool episodes in the queue for you. We're going to be talking to Jessie Desmond. She brought a slew of creepy content for us, uh, cool sightings and creatures to talk about. We're going to be getting into that just here in a second. Uh, before we do, though, I wanted to point out that the week this comes out is the is the week of the 54th, I believe, because I suck at math, but I'm pretty sure it's 54th, anniversary of the filming of the Patterson-Gimlin film. So it's going to be... Uh, St. Patty's week for us Bigfooters. If you guys are new to Bigfoot or just kind of getting into the subject and getting interested into it, I recommend you seek out the Patterson-Gimlin film. <clears throat> you can uh, see some pretty decent uh, copies of it on YouTube and take a really close look at it and listen to a lot of the uh, analyzation and deconstructions that's been done. Uh, it's some pretty, in my opinion, it's pretty compelling, and uh, I I think that uh, it's probably the best piece of footage that we have. So check out the Patterson Gimlin film as you're getting ready to uh, go out trick or treating and hand out candy. If you're not going out, uh, be sure and get some good candy for the trick or treaters this year because they've been cooped up inside for a while, and I'm sure they're itching to get out. And uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk to Jesse. We're going to talk about some cool uh, creatures and Alaska stories. And we're also going to talk about some of uh, her memories as to what it was like growing up in Alaska and experiencing Halloween here in a colder climate. So uh, pretty cool stuff coming up. Uh, Let's get into it. The first thing I have for you are werewolf sightings. Uh, There haven't been a lot of reported werewolf sightings in Alaska, uh, like publicly posted anyway, but there are a lot of like local people talking about it, especially in Fairbanks and the Matsu Valley. It's very much Fairbanks and the Matsu Valley, and it's not a whole bunch of in between. It's, it's kind of strange, you know, Uh, just, just because it's so set in those two places so, so uh, oh, go ahead um are these what what do you think is what what where do you draw the line between bigfoot and dogman uh, well a lot of these people they say that uh it looks like a big giant wolf or like a big giant black kind of uh usually Usually they can run on all fours if they need to, but they can stand upright as well. And they have more of like wolf-like features. 
is what I get told repeatedly. So uh, it's, you know, Bigfoot, you, you always hear, you don't hear about Bigfoot running on all fours. Uh, these things usually have, you know, pointed ears, more like a wolf uh, and a, like a snout kind of a thing. And that's what gets reported. So they're like giant wolves, essentially. <laughs> um, are there any like daytime sightings or is it all pretty much at night? <clears throat> for the, from the most part, for what I hear, it's usually um, either like the blue hour, like twilight, you know, or into the night uh, or even into like the early morning hours or something. But usually it kind of stops when the sun comes out is, is what I gather. Uh, one, th one story that I heard locally here in Fairbanks is, uh, this guy, this guy, <laughs> this guy was telling me that his neighbor was constructing this really bizarre looking, uh, cage thing. And he had to make sure that it would hold someone who was a, or that it would hold something that was person size. And he was going to, he was going to take it out to wherever and he was going to bury it in the grounds because he kept having problems. And, and the guy said that he wasn't, the guy wouldn't say werewolf, but between like their interactions and stuff, he got, he, he was like, it sounds so weird, but I think he was trying to capture a werewolf because he's like, if it was a bear, there are bear traps out there, you know, that sort of thing. But this was so bizarre that it, it just it's one of those stories that just kind of came to me was there I, any um <clears throat> follow-up to it did you hear if you ever anything ever happened with it uh actually the guy who told me that that story said that he he heard multiple times after he saw his neighbor constructing this weird thing uh and like i guess there was like a span of like two or three months or something and he heard numerous times like like wolf howls and that sort of thing in the neighborhood so he was he wasn't sure where that thing got buried or if the guy ever got around to it or if there was a werewolf in the neighborhood <laughs> and this guy lived um around the the china hot springs road area closer closer to the highway so you know, there's that. That's pretty, uh, I mean, that's kind of on the outskirts, outskirts of town, but it's not too far away from town, you know? Uh, there's also, there's a podcast on YouTube called Dogman Encounters, and there are a couple episodes on there of, of Dogman sightings. And I, I kind of think Dogman and Werewolf are pretty much the same thing. I know that some people are get kind of picky about it, but it's also, it's a term that's used, um, interchangeably. So I'm not really sure. I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I stand on that. It's, uh, I've tried to look up the difference and it's almost the same sort of thing. I think. Yeah. I'm, I lean more toward werewolf myself, but, uh, dog man seems to be one of them. I don't know. It seems to be one of the hotter topics in cryptozoology nowadays. Yeah, I, I think, um, so let me ask you this, uh, this is pure, 
I, I think about this kind of stuff quite a bit. So if uh, let's let's say that the general werewolf legend trope is is a real thing, and people turn into werewolves basically during a full moon. So what happens when they come to Alaska and it's daylight, twenty four hours a day? Do they still change on nights when there's a full moon, even though there's no moon, or do they not change? We still have a moon. We just uh, sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes we get that weird daytime moon thing going. Uh, I mean, just because the Earth is tilted a little weird doesn't mean that there isn't a moon. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I said. I was, I was like, even though you know, even though there's supposed to be a full moon, even though you can't see it, would they still change? I, I, I personally think if if they do exist, it's more of a they can either it's kind of a skinwalker type situation where they can either change at will, or you know, they change when they want to. I don't think it's necessarily a uh, a curse. I, you know, I've I've heard some things where. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, like the newer, newer change kind of werewolves, uh, they really don't have too much control over it. So they just kind of change. And then if, you know, after a certain period of time, they, they get more control over it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but what I can tell you is that like, it's not a new thing. Uh, the Inuits, they had the adlet and that, that was like a human, human-like body that would end up being covered in fur and had a canine head. And they were super vicious in the, all the folklore and stuff. And they could be killed with silver and fire. And that's, you know, that that's pretty similar to the European legends as well. So that that's, that's cool. I wouldn't there, there's another one. I don't think they have the dog heads, but they have tails, the torments. Mm-hmm. I don't want um, have to. I have to look them up. I get the adlets and the tornets mixed up sometimes. I think. <clears throat> yeah, I I didn't write down anything about the tornets. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I did. Athabascan legends kind of get a little passed over, uh, and I don't know why. But they the Athabascans do have the Suslika, and that's like a giant, invisible dog kind of creature that inhabits mountain passes. And I, I just want to include it in here because it's kind of related, you know, um, Athabascans have a lot of like giant size animals, which kind of seems like maybe some leftover, uh, megafauna or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's my opinion as well, especially with the, like, the giant bears and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, they're probably just remnant, like short nosed bears and stuff like that, that are still, we're still hanging around. Well, and there's still stories of like people seeing, uh, like living mammoths and, and stuff like that. But you have to be out in Western Alaska for that, I think. Yeah. And, you know, on one hand, I'm like, man, with all the air traffic that we have up here, you think somebody would have, would have seen something that big. But mm -hmm. there is a lot of of uh, canopy cover that something yeah. that they could hide under. So it, I'm kind of of two minds about it. On the one hand, I don't I don't think it's feasible. But on the other hand, you asked me on another day, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's totally possible. Well, and also there's there's a lot of space out there, so the area <sighs> where they are just might not be an area that gets flown over or visited by people too often, you know. And that's 
To me, that seems more more likely because, I mean, people underestimate the size of Alaska all the time. I mean, I just read read uh, last night that we have a storm coming in and it's the size of the lower 48 that's going to be blown in. And it's like, like, that's a really big storm. You hear about hurricanes and stuff hitting like Florida and this, like, that's nothing compared to what we're about to get hit with. Yeah, I, I think that's that's right on the nose. Like people just don't understand how big it is up here and how how far apart things are. And it just there's a lot of space out here, and there's a lot of room for things to be and not be noticed or seen. You know, a lot of thick forest cover. I mean, things that are lar- large animals could could hide and not be seen. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of frustrating when people were like, Oh no, you know, we, we, we know everything, but we discover new animals all the time. Every year there's, there's new things being found. And, um, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of resources going into research up here. I think cause it's so costly to get up here and to fund expeditions up here. So I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, resources being used up here to look for, especially larger animals. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm sure that there's some funding out there, but I guess it probably just takes the right person putting together the right project and approaching it, you know, with like a, asking for grant money and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, we do have the lar- the large animal research station up here in Fairbanks, and they 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 like to study uh, muskox and caribou and large animals <laughs> that are Alaska based. Yeah, well, I think any anything that probably discovered any larger animals, they would probably be out there looking for something. They would be studying something else and just stumble across it, basically. Yeah. Like, they would be out there looking at the muskox, and then they would find something else. Right. And then, I mean, if you were just to see a larger version of a wolf or uh, a bear, like, unless you got a really good look at it, you would probably just think it was a wolf or a bear and it was right. like, oh you know and depending on how far away you were you can say oh man it's really close well it wasn't that close it was just really big <laughs> so yeah okay so so i i don't really have a whole lot of of werewolf stories to share because there's just aren't a lot of public stories out there to share <laughs> um but this next one this next one i actually have a little bit of a history to it. And it kind of ties in with your last podcast with, um, with the movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause it's all about vampires. Ooh. So, and I know that you had mentioned 30 days of night, um, which I have just watched recently because of course it's Halloween time. And that's one of those movies I like to watch. So, uh, okay. So the Inuit, they have, a legend about a creature called the Angiac. And basically the Angiac are, or they were children who were abandoned and kind of left to die on the frozen plains. Uh, Cause the Inuit, in case you need to know this is that the, they're located mostly at the top of the state and, and over into Canada and stuff. And so uh, yeah, these would be, people who were abandoned and kind of left to die in the frozen plains. And then they would 
die and be reanimated by vengeful spirits to become the Angiac. And what they would do is they would first return to their family home and kind of terrorize the family. And they would, they would feed on their family first. And then, you know, the village might get affected and, and stuff as well. And they were also said to be able to take the shape of some wild animals, I guess, probably bears and wolves and stuff. And it, it, it's kind of interesting because this reminds me a lot of uh, kind of like old school European vampires, you know, I mean, that, that's, that was kind of their MO. Like they would change. Then they, the first people they'd go, go back to was like their family and, and stuff. Is there um, any description of how you, you uh, stop them or get rid of them or is it a stake through the heart or is there a different method? Nope. For the, for this, there's, there's no, uh, I've never been able to find a good, a good description on how to stop them. So isn't that just always the way? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but you know, again, if, if you want some kind of Alaska, Alaskan something there's, um, with vampires, there's 30 days of night, which takes place in Barrow. And then there's a novel called For the Sake of Revenge, and that takes place in Sitka. So, I've never heard of that. Is it, uh, who, who wrote it? Do you know? I, I don't, I came across it. Um, let me find out real quick. Yeah, we, we just, uh, we actually watched Bram Stoker's Dracula last night. <clears throat> I, I have seen that so many times. <laughs> I, I, I wrote my, my history thesis on uh, Vlad Dracula. So, yeah. And it, I, I'm very familiar with that because that was closest to the novel. And my my, the, my thesis wasn't on the novel. Um, it was on the historical figure. But I don't know. It's, uh, I watched it anyway. I watched it all the time while I was writing my thesis paper. So, I'm not finding the author on that, but I'm sure, I'm sure you can like Google it or Amazon find it or something. And that was for the sake of revenge takes place in Sitka. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So for vampires, I actually have a little bit of a history and it starts in the seventies and goes to pretty close to, to today. So in the seventies, uh, I was looking at a lot of different old newspapers and stuff uh, for gathering some vampire stories. And there was like a real vocal interest in real vampires all throughout the seventies. And it, so there wasn't any like, like Joe down the street said that he was a vampire, you know, when he was 300 years old, nothing like that. But there was uh, like, there was, Articles in the paper about vampire-like crimes happening from around the world and some international vampire research that was going on. And they had like a ad out looking for people uh, who might be interested in that. And then at that time, Romania was also pushing for historical research on Vlad Dracula. So there, like, you kind of get that starting in the 70s. And you don't really see a whole lot before um, 
the 1970s, except for like vampire movies getting mentioned. Yeah. Well, we were looking for movies to watch last night and I commented that because there were, I don't know, four or five different Dracula movies that were made in the 70s. And I looked at my wife. I was like, man, there was a lot of vampire movies made in the 70s. Hammer Productions made quite a few. <laughs> so you have like Satanic Rites of of Dracula. And then there's uh, Twins of Evil, which isn't really a Dracula movie per se, but it's a vampire movie with twins. You know? Uh, but you have like Christopher Lee and... I don't know. Udo Creer had a vampire movie that he did, and yeah. I uh, I saw one last night. I didn't watch it, but I saw where it was available to watch that uh, Jack Palance played Dracula. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, he did. I, I was not. I if I knew it, I had forgotten all about it. But uh, I might have to check that one out. I, when did that one come out? Like seventy eight or something? It, it was, something it was like, like 76, that. 78, something like that. It was later seventies. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it, that one, it's okay. Um, I I kind of prefer to have a, a better looking Dracula. I don't I don't think Jack Palance is like the best looking guy. Um, I don't know. That's that's just my opinion. <laughs> okay, so uh, let me let me carry on to uh, the 1980s. So in 1984. Mayor John Dapsevich of Sitka declared October 17th or 7 through the 13th as Vampire Prevention Week. And he urged Sitkins to become familiar with vampires in literature and film and to spend the week driving away evil. So I don't know what exactly prompted that. There wasn't, there wasn't some kind of article that prompted it, uh, that I could find it just it just like randomly came up in my search so I think that's kind of yeah (laughs) that's kind of weird but maybe that's what inspired that that book that's based in Sitka well I wonder I wonder when that book came out or when it was published maybe um I should have grabbed that information I just didn't maybe it had something to do with that maybe Maybe. they wrote it (laughs) <laughs> he's like if you guys want to know how to get rid of vampires read my book easily mate sold a couple hundred that week <laughs> i don't know um so yeah that's kind of weird so that means that we just got out of vampire prevention week at this point i'm, I'm so, disappointed i didn't know about it i didn't do anything special or i would have i would have yeah uh, i Put some garlic on my door or something. I I should have posted something on Facebook about that, but I didn't. Um, cause I, I'm on, I'm on social media, but I'm not social media minded, if that makes sense, you know? Okay. So, uh, we kind of skipped through some stuff. Like there's no, nothing really happens in the nineties where it gets posted in the papers, but in 2008, in Dutch Harbor, a man was bicycling down the road and he was covered in blood and his face was smeared with blood and the police confronted him and he claimed that his girlfriend turned him into a vampire and the police basically kind of gave him a slap on the wrist from what I could tell, told him to keep 
keep it quiet and to not alarm the Dutch Harbor. And that's it. That was from the police blotter. So I wonder if alcohol was involved in that. I, I don't know, but um, around the next year, late November in 2009 in Unalaska, which is right there, Dutch Harbor and Unalaska are like right next to each other, basically the same place. Um, police arrested a man for assault by biting. And around the same time, uh, healthcare clinic attendants in Unalaska treated a different man whose eyebrow had been bitten off. <laughs> Isn't that pretty crazy? Um, <laughs> of, instead of Barrow, I think 30 Days of Night probably should have been uh, based in like Dutch Harbor. Actually, I know, I know somebody that was working on the police department there around that time. I might reach out to him and see if he remembers any of those calls. <laughs> well, apparently, uh, I, I found this somewhere and I forgot where I found it. But in, in around Dutch Harbor and stuff, like people claiming to be vampires is just, it's like they have a, they have a couple of those things every year. And so it's almost... They're just like, oh, it's just another vampire call. And you can find it occasionally in the police blotters out that way. So that's kind of weird that it's, that's just, that. what a weird thing. Like, is do they just watch a lot of vampire movies out there? I, like, I don't know. You don't see any Buffy's coming out, you know? Well, what's the, if it happens once, it's a, it's an isolated incident. If it happens twice, it's a coincidence. If it happens more, it's, it's enemy action. <laughs> so, and, and I've also heard that, um, there are real vampires in Alaska, not, not the energy vampires, but like the sanguine vampi vampires, the blood those, drinkers, yeah, you know, those are the people that drink the blood. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they, I, I don't know how it would work. I don't know if they, if that's, I don't think that's probably all they consume. Otherwise it'd be kind of hard to, to hide yourself, you know, but I don't know. I, I heard that there's a community of them, at least down in Anchorage, probably up here in Fairbanks too. Okay. So vampires avoid the sun in the summer. We have a lot of sun. So people that live up here during the summer and leave during the winter are called snowbirds. What's the opposite of that? Would it be sun bats? Probably. <laughs> we'll start calling them sun bats. <laughs> but where does it get dark? Maybe they go to Australia or something. New Zealand. I don't know. I don't know. The, 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 Steve McKean wrote a story about that, about the vampire that just flew around the world chasing night, you know, so it wasn't, he'd just fly. I know the Salem slot, but I, uh, I don't The know. night flyer. Oh, the night flyer. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I totally forgot about that one. Okay. So I have one more, one more vampire thing here. And there's this weird blog and it's called, what do I know? And it's by some guy named Steve. And he, he used vampires as the reason to vote yes on prop one in 2014, which was all about Alaska oil tax cuts. And then again, in 2018, uh, 
for protection of salmon, fish, and wildlife. And this guy suggests that Alaska is overrun with vampires whose main goals are to exploit resources, create discord between natives and non-natives, and then they harvest Alaskan blood, which is mostly sent out to their big vampire bosses. And I, I think that's, I don't know what to think about that. Um, that's pretty crazy. That's, that's so crazy. It's probably true. <laughs> it's, but that's the first time I've really heard anyone try and get people to vote a certain way for local voting, you know, just, yeah, there's vampires just vote this way. It reminds me of uh, the Lost Boys, the grandpa in Lost Boys, oh, where yeah. he just, you know, I love Alaska, but one thing I could never stand, all the damn vampires. <laughs> <laughs> it, I came across that, it was so random, it was so random that it, I I don't even know, like, I was, I was like, is this guy serious? And I, the way he was writing it, it seems like he was kind of serious about it. But at the same time, there's a lot of Photoshop stuff on his, on his thing about vampires. So I, I don't know. I, I can't honestly say I, I know if he's serious or joshing around. I don't know. Well, when you first started telling me that, I thought, well, maybe he's using vampire metaphorically, like they're sucking our resources, they're sucking our money. But then you said they're literally harvesting blood and sending it. Yeah. Out, so. <laughs> yeah. And they basically, they want to control the economy. So we're dependent on them or something. It, there, there was a lot going on in his blog posts about that. So, um, and I can send you the link to that if you want. Yeah, I would, I would like to read that. And I can put okay. it in the show notes too, if people want to read it. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, so the other two things I would like to talk about would be UFOs. In particular, um, like some hot spots and animal mutilations. And because people don't think that we really have animal mutilations up here. And I, I do know of a, of a really big site, well, incident of that happening um, that most people don't know about. And then also shadow people because shadow people scare me. And that's how I got into things. Yeah. So um, oh. lay it on us. What? Uh, let me, uh, let's see. You know what? Let's break this. We're a half hour here. Okay. So um, let's break this up and uh, we will be back next week and hear the rest of uh, Jesse's uh, presentation here on UFOs and shadow people. Okay. We can okay. just keep going. I'll... Mm -hmm.